This is Liquid Gold. From war and vodka to margaritas and back to war and vodka. Welcome back to a special edition of Liquid Gold. As we check in on this crazy world, this is uh, part two of our war and vodka series where we, in our first installment, we uh, talked a lot about just the world in general, the state of the world, what was going on in Ukraine, what was going on internationally, and how it was kind of affecting our industry. And we uh, sat around just as we are today, drinking some of the lovely core vodka straight out of the freezer, the Ukrainian vodka, one small way you can, I suppose, uh, support that country. The core vodka, we should mention, available here in uh, Brentwood at Total Wine and then in Midtown at Cork Dorks. Um, if you're interested in that, my name's Mike Wolf, your host today, along with my co-host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman. Kenneth, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Mike. It's good to see you. Great to see you. We've got coffee and we've got vodka. It's yeah. almost like a deconstructed espresso martini, which we covered, I want to say like years ago. I think it was summer of 2020 when we did espresso martini. That drink is exploding. Well, continues to explode. Yes. And you are making them at Husk. Is that right? A whole lot of them. You're making a, like too many of them. Arguably. Um, it's so quite, yeah, it's quite possible if it keeps trending, no shit, dude, a espresso martini could feasibly outsell a Bloody Mary at brunch. Wow. That's uh, I didn't think I'd see that it's day. spiked. Yeah. That's a, that's a change. That's a shift in culture. So, and what we're saying basically is you can go back in the archives and check out liquidgold.show, the new website. Shout out to our producer, Michael Eads, and everybody at We Own This Town. Thank you, Michael. You can check out the We Own This Town podcast network and the music show and Horror Fried, the new podcast, as well as uh, many other amazing podcasts and music going on at weownthistown.net. But the new website, liquidgold.show, you can go back and see all our archives. You'll find the Espresso Martini episode, one of our favorites, as well as Tequila Sunrise, which we did uh, shortly after the Espresso, the Summer of Shots was a lot of fun back then in uh, strange times in 2020. Here we are again in strange times. Today, the Liquid Gold family is uh, growing as we have, I think we're the only uh, entity to go from hiring a potions master, which we have done for a really cool section in the book, Cheer, coming out in November, a Liquid Gold holiday drinking guide. We have potions master Brittany Augustine with a section all about doing a Harry Potter cocktail party. But uh, today we're going to be talking to our new war correspondent, Mr. Matthew Campbell, who's out there in Warsaw, Poland. And Matt's uh, an old dear friend of mine. I've known Matt since I was six years old. And we grew up in the same neighborhood out there in Colorado. And we've played in bands over the years. He lived in Nashville for a while, worked at Robert's Western World, played all over town, played at the Legion. And did y'all move to Nashville at the same time? No, he, he, he moved here, um, it was about five years after I got here or so. Okay. Um, he moves around a lot. He ended up in Warsaw, which we're going to talk to him about. We're going to check in with him in Warsaw, Poland, just weeks after uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. Now there are more than, um, and the number's got to be bigger than this because this is from a Washington Post article from a few weeks, from uh, about 10 days ago, that there are more than 300,000 refugees heading into Warsaw from Ukraine just weeks after the invasion. And Matt also does a radio program, a radio report there in Warsaw called A Letter from Poland, 
which he does weekly. So we're going to talk to him about this little uh, radio essays, these radio essays that he's doing. And we want to talk about what is going on from his uh, vantage point there in Warsaw. And uh, we'll be checking in with him throughout the spring and summer as the situation develops over there. There is uh, Now, Warsaw is a city of 1.8 million people. 300,000 are showing up. Yeah, that's a huge number. That's insane. Um, we're going to hear all about it. First, we're going to play, uh, this is Matt's latest letter from Poland. We will play that and then we will get him on the phone out there in Warsaw. This is war correspondent Matt Campbell on Liquid Gold. Howdy folks, this is Matt Campbell with a letter from Poland. Now it's our turn, my friend said. In the immediate days following Russia's attack on Ukraine, emotions in Poland were running high, a potent mix of disbelief doused with decades of distrust and sometimes disdain. It didn't take me long in the moment to decipher his meaning, knowing the often cited and recited history of the proud nation and its struggle with, among other things, geography on the way to realizing its full potential. Many generations of Poles have endured a reality that often positions them on the wrong end of conflict with devastating effects, militarily, economically, and culturally. Now it seemed it was this generation's turn. I don't think I'd be wrong to guess there was a touch of fear mixed in too. Yes, some concern about personal safety, but also about regression, a return to an earlier state of being, a time when even a new Poland looked very different. You should have seen the road to Berlin, my girlfriend said, as we rumbled down a roughly patched country road. It was all like this, a lot of accidents. It's been over 30 years now since Poles got their first taste of Western-style democracy and the free market along with its fringe benefits. And while there is some nostalgia left for a sense of community that existed in shared struggle, it pales in comparison to the unsatiated appetite for a better life. As the humanitarian crisis heated up, the country naturally shifted its focus to welcome and accommodate the nearly two and a half million refugees who have arrived since late February. Warsaw Central Station had been transformed into an immigration center with various tents manned by a legion of volunteers, pointing people towards medical care or transportation services or temporary housing, even a bottle of water or sandwich. The scale of such a migration is hard to understand, and the efforts of the citizens in Poland have been enormous, an outpouring of support and resources. The people stepped up. They have a right to be proud. The international press came calling, too. Poland was about to get its 15 minutes. I read a story about the center of Warsaw published by one of my hometown newspapers. The BBC brought a live newscast to town. All the major players had correspondence in and out covering visits of foreign leaders. Poland even provided the headlines for several Wall Street Journal podcasts I shared with students. But as the weeks went on and the military threat seemed to ease a bit, there was another shift towards asking obvious questions, wondering what the strategy was moving forward, short, medium, and long term. 
Of course, the government came up with a plan, extending national IDs and benefits to Ukrainians now settling in Poland. They may even cut taxes, after they just raised them, but that's another story. And let's not investigate the reasons why other refugee and migrant crises have been met with a different response, but what lies in front of Poland now, according to many, is a great opportunity. The folks I know are starting families, building houses, paying for schools, planning vacations, and the past two years aside, business for them is still pretty good, set to get better. The government stands to improve its position too, especially after a steady stream of bad press over disagreements with the EU, if only it can stay away from some unforced errors. Maybe an influx of Ukrainians will boost the workforce, add to productivity, improve service, increase demand for housing, along with prices for most everything else. Perhaps some improvements in education or the health system or infrastructure. And what about more funds from the EU or new energy agreements or a strengthened military? And while we're at it, let's settle some old scores. Maybe join the G20 and before you know it, that disbelief and fear had become something else. A little bird told me that Kiev will become the biggest development project in Europe. Poland may see part of itself in Ukraine, but it has no desire to go backwards. It was a rough road getting here, but now it's our turn. All right, that's Matt Campbell. We are going to call him on the phone and, and check in uh, with the situation in Warsaw. Pick up, pick up, pick up. <laughs> hey, buddy. There he is. <laughs> hey, man. How you doing? Yeah. Good. How are you doing, bud? Good, man. I'm not getting you on video. Are you getting... Let's see. Maybe I need to do that. No, no, no. No. Oh, well, here. Well, let me get on. Let me switch then. Oh, you. Oh, there we go. Yeah. There yeah. he is. Let's see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I need. <laughs> Sorry. That's the, that's the ceiling of the podcast studio. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Ah, there he is. Nice. And I think I heard Ken. There he is. What up, Matt? The samurai master. <laughs> it's good yeah, to hear your voice, buddy. On, buddy. It's good to see you, man. It's a, it's a lovely day here in Nashville. A little overcast. Yeah, what, what's the story in Nashville? A little o overcast today? Yeah, a yeah. little overcast, a little rainy. Spring coming on. You've okay. been hired as our war correspondent. Um, sa salary negotiations will happen a little bit down the road, but, uh, okay. Hey, um, I'm honored. It's great to have him back on the show. This is not the first time that you've been on the show. Uh, Matt Campbell here calling in, uh, from Warsaw, Poland. And Matt was a contributor to the book bar and teened. He wrote a little essay about working at Roberts and manning the grill on a busy, I think New Year's day. New Year's Day. Uh, New Year's Day. Yeah. Uh, so you're a veteran of the uh, restaurant and bar scene here in here in Nashville, and uh, you've <laughs> yes, sir. You've yeah. ended up out in Warsaw. We just heard your letter from uh, a letter from Poland. This series that you're uh -huh. doing. Um, who are you doing that series for? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's a real pleasure, honor to be here with you. Oh, it's great. Uh, great to see you. Yeah, I'm writing these uh, letters from Poland for Radio Poland, which is the English language service of Polski Radio, basically the the equivalent of NPR, I guess, in Poland. And um, it just started as a as a project 
uh, by somebody else, actually. They had uh, letters from Poland series before, and uh, I guess it hadn't, they hadn't had a, a writer for it for a while, and so the opportunity came along to just try and do it. And I started writing them pretty quickly after I got here. Uh, just observations, experiences, you know, thoughts, stories. It's um, been great to see how lessons. they've changed um, over time as you've been there. Because you were kind of like this new guy gazing around at the, you know, this new bustling city that you found yourself in. And it's changed over time. You've taken some trips out to the country. You've gone on holiday a little bit. And then you've, um, now you found yourself in really uh, one of the centers of the uh, universe right now in terms of what's going on in the world and what's going on with yeah. uh, the war in Ukraine. You find yourself in yeah. Warsaw where we just talked about how there was a report in the Washington Post where uh, they said over 300,000 refugees have um, spilled into Warsaw, Poland from Ukraine. Just tell us a little bit about what, what it's been like for you over the last few weeks and month as you see, you know, these international events and not only what they've done to Ukraine, obviously, but specifically what it's done to Warsaw as you've seen everything kind of change. Before it started, obviously, there was a lot of interest. People here are pretty sensitive to to the geopolitics of the region, you know, the regional politics. Uh, and so when it happened first, and it was pretty widespread throughout the country of Ukraine, you know, there were strikes all over and some, you know, a little close, too close to home, I think, for Poland. And people were rightly, I think, nervous and and scared, you know, scrambling a little bit, wondering, you know, what's going to happen? Is this going to get bigger? Uh, making plans, you know, do we need to get ready to go? You know, it was it was very disorienting, as one of my friends said. Uh, and you know, I, I'm no different. I was felt kind of the same way. Then, as the refugees started coming, you know, the focus shifted to that pretty quick because it's kind of an immediate need. And you know, the country, the numbers here are about. Two and a half million have come through. Mm. Three hundred thousand in the city, I'm sure, continues to grow. Um, sure, it's got to be up to four hundred thousand by now. You would think. Yeah. yeah, to to see it happen was like pretty remarkable. Uh, what did that look like? Like, did you start to just see more cars on the road, more people just wandering the streets, uh, people with suitcases <laughs> and all their belongings? What what did that look like? The cars on the street, you started to see more Ukrainian license plates. Yeah. Um, the, the, the train stations and, and the bus stations um, were just chaos. Seeing, you know, I mean, just so many people coming off of buses, off of trains, uh, you know, thousands of people just emptied out into these stations. And at first, I think, not with really any idea of where to go. I've talked with people, they were just driving to the station and just picking people up, <laughs> just taking them home or wherever, you know, what can we do for you? Wow. Um, friends kind of scrambling and saying, hey, do you have free rooms? Do you have free space? Can you help somebody with work? Hey, these, this is a family. We need more space. And then, yeah, in the city, on the street, especially around the central station, I mean, lots of uh, moms – with kids, young kids, roller bags, 
trash bags, you know, not very much stuff. A lot of elderly people, elderly women and, and men. Are there people uh, in tents? You know, are people like sleeping outside? Where are people? And is it warm enough for people to sleep outside? Like, how is that shaping up? No, there. I think the response has been pretty good on sort of setting up temporary centers, quarters for people at the national stadium. I think they did some of that, and and where the government, in partnership with some businesses, could find open spaces. Uh, you know, even open apartments. I know some developers were opening up apartments that they had that were empty, and you know, trying to find beds and and the wares to furnish places to, to get people in. So, you know, I, I don't think, you know, if somebody needs a place to sleep, I think they're pretty, pretty good on that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to sleep outside right now, but, uh, yeah, it's still pretty cold there <laughs> in the Warsaw time, but it's still, you know, it's still pretty chilly. Yeah. It's like a Colorado uh, spring. Yeah. Here. You know, yeah, it is. Yeah. Denver <laughs> and Warsaw are, are pretty similar with weather actually. Here's a report. Um, this is from yesterday from Hyperallergic, hyperallergic.com. Uh, Warsaw's mm-hmm. Museum of Modern Art transformed to aid Ukrainian refugees. So there's a story about how the Museum of Modern Art in Warsaw becoming a hive of activity and uh, making as many as 1,500 sandwiches a day. They are uh, letting children come in uh, to do activities. There's a children's play area. So I imagine it's like that all over the city where some of these institutions that aren't used to have to, you know, having to jump in and provide things and provide space and provide activities are now doing that. Um, are you seeing are you seeing some of that as well? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think one of the big things at the beginning, uh, because it, it happened so quickly, is that, you know, maybe some of the, the local governments and even, you know, the, the national government to some degree you know, wasn't quite up on it just yet. Um, and so a lot of private citizens, a lot of businesses, you know, organizations, theaters, music groups, everybody just kind of jumped in to do what they could. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of that and, and people are, are motivated to help. They're, you know, they seem happy to help. Um, and anywhere that people think that they can kind of lend a hand, I, I think, people are are doing that you know and at the at the central station it's really interesting you know inside they've set up tents and booths with uh, lots of volunteers you know people arrive there are people there speaking different languages pointing them towards you know a medical tent or to a transportation tent hey i need to get on to to germany i need to get on to wherever Mm. um there's help for that you know getting kids enrolled in school they you know they estimated that Next year, there'd be 700,000 wow. new students Oof. in Polish schools, you know. That's crazy. I mean, it's that's a, it's a huge number. It's a, a super heavy lift. You know, as this thing drags on, you know, the focus becomes things like this. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the danger doesn't feel so immediate, although I think it's still kind of lurking out there. And so now they've shifted to, all right, well what do we do next and what does this mean for us? And one, one kind of interesting aspect of this is culturally speaking is the idea that, that Poland is actually is a, in a position to help. And the citizens, they really feel that. And there's a certain pride to it mm. because they're used to being on the wrong end of things. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that a little bit in your um, latest letter. 
about yeah. this sort of um, vibe of Warsaw and Poland, you know, saying like, well, this is our time where we've kind of figured some things out. We're heading uh, in a more prosperous direction or we were. And now mm-hmm. we kind of I guess we kind of have to open our arms and, and, and welcome these people in because what are the other options? Yeah. I th- but is there resistance you know, to the, that or, or? Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. But how open it is and how you know prevalent it is, that's hard to say. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I think that being on the ground sort of helps inform is that you know there are long, long histories between these countries, between these regions – you know, uh, you know, Poland is in a in a position to help now, and and they're happy to be there for them and to help Ukraine. But you know, e- even these countries have some some bad blood. You know, mm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so the whole the whole area is is full of this kind of thing, and it goes back hundreds of years, that thousands of years. You know, I mean, this stuff goes way back. Uh, you know russia and ukraine and belarus uh, this whole area and it's so there is some of that Mm -hmm. um but like you said they can't they don't have a choice but to to kind of jump in and and figure it out Mm -hmm. because if they don't it's gonna it's gonna bring them back you know probably maybe to a previous time yeah and even in the short time that i've been here almost three years the city's changed a lot it's grown a lot Mm -hmm. and even though there is a uh, there is a vibe sometimes of of nationalism and and you know Poland first kind of thing, even the more conservative folks here recognize like hey we've benefited a ton from the EU, you know we've gone kind of Western and it's you know they enjoy it, <laughs> and now they're upwardly mobile and they don't want to go down. Yeah. So. Yeah, they don't want to go back. Yeah, there's certainly a, a thing with that. So, so let's pan out a little bit. So you came to Warsaw yeah. to teach English. You have been sort of uh, informing uh, some of your students about some of the uh, podcasts and some of the the news reports coming from like the Wall Street Journal and places like that. You've been playing them um, some of mm-hmm. that stuff. How do you how do you think that they view that that different perspective like your perspective from your homeland being that you're in their homeland you're teaching them you know essentially your language what has that been like not only just from moving there and becoming uh, a teacher and heading down that sort of career path but also now with the world all of a sudden seeming maybe a little bit smaller mm-hmm. what's that kind of dichotomy like where you're you're showing them like this is what they're reporting in my homeland how has that been? Mm-hmm. It's been fascinating. It's been a real learning experience too. Um, you know, they they love America. You know, still, you know, America is the place, and things American, and 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 the perspectives. You know, what do you think? What you know? What do you think about this? You know, tell us your thoughts about Poland and how do you see it? You know, they're very interested in what what people think of them and how they view their country um you know they have a a kind of a special relationship with their own country that is is complicated so they they're definitely interested in in what it looks like uh over there and from over there like i say it's reassuring to know that they they are into america 
you know, it's a good feeling for us. But the flip side of that is, you know, I also realize how much we don't know (laughs) about this part of the world and how much we, you know, even myself, I'm sure there are people who are up on it, but I've learned so much about being here, uh, about the the people, the, the culture, you know, and they're teaching me things. We just don't, we don't, we don't get those perspectives in the States. We don't have the, that same, uh, the same feelings towards our country, towards our own people. You know, we have a, a different view <laughs> than mm. they have. Mm. And so I think they're, I think they're interested in, in how can we be so optimistic? What's with the patriotism thing? What's with the, you know, <laughs> What's with the the free speech thing? What's with the, you know all of the? What's with the guns? What's with the you know they want they want to yeah. know you know they want to know and if if there's something about their country coming from over there they want to know and that's why I shared with them these these Wall Street Journal podcasts and some of these more international stories because there really is a, a desire to be recognized as a you know a developing country or a developed country they you know they want to be a player they're just not there yet and so anything that points in that direction any attention they're they're happy to to get it and they and they want to know good and bad so i think that's really reassuring and fun to be a part of fun to watch and i'm happy to introduce them to uh, to American culture, you know, not just news and, and things like that, but, Oh yeah. You're probably uh, playing them Buck Owens and stuff, right? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's Check out Merle record. Haggard. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I, I have, I've been like, See, let's, I know. let's watch a little bit of this. Let's watch a little bit of that. You know, yeah. we, I, YouTube I rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Oh man, for sure. It's great. And that's know, funny. They, they don't, they never seen anything like that. Check out some working man blues here, Merle Haggard. You know, um, yeah. So they from working man you know, blues to the Wu Tang. I'm I'm sure you can enlighten them quite a bit, man. <laughs> Matt, what uh, what what is the age demographic of your students? My students, I would say, are mostly like 30s, 40s, the uh, 30s and 40s. You know, professional types, lawyers and project managers and uh, you know, administrators and investment types. And, you know, I've got some politician students and things like that. And, but I would say all kind of young professional is kind of my, my target area. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, drinking culture there in Warsaw. It is a drinking podcast. I know we're right in the middle of a war, but that's also a great time to drink as well. It is a great time to drink. Um, so, Tell me a little bit about, I know you, uh, you frequent the cafes, whether for coffee, for beer, for whatever else. Um, and there's, before we talk about these Polish milk spirits, which I want to get into a little bit, kind of more of a holiday thing, but tell me a little bit about just the drinking culture there, the cafe culture. Uh, what are people drinking? What are they enjoying? How often are they enjoying it? Well, the drinking culture is alive and well uh, on various fronts, um, (laughs) You know the the typical the vodka stereotype is true, and there's a lot of it, and people enjoy it. How are they drinking um, vodka mostly? Straight. <laughs> Excellent. That's yeah, how we're straight. drinking it right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 straight or with some like Coke, vodka and Coke or something. Oh wow, yeah. You know, some, little taste of America. Answer. All right. 
yeah yeah just some weird mix but usually straight and you know you'll go into a restaurant sometime you'll be you'll see like two buddies sitting having lunch or something and there'll be a bottle of vodka on the table you know and they'll just be drinking it Mm. that that that's kind of cool yeah that's like a western (laughs) saloon kind of thing leave the bottle give me the bottle and <laughs> what's the common vodka that they're drinking out there? I know we've, we've got a lot of Polish vodka in the shop out here because we um, did a lot of shopping when we went shopping for Ukrainian vodka. And we noticed there are quite a few from Poland at the shop as well. But what's the what's the go to out there? I would say the go to kind of every day would be like Vibarova mm. is one. Vibarova. Uh, Zawankova is mm. another one. Jawankova Deluxe. Can we change the name to uh, Vibrova? <laughs> Jawankova Deluxe. Totally What's the Vibrova vibe around here? Can I get some vodka? <laughs> totally. Yeah, where's the Vibrova at? Uh, yeah, for sure. Vibrova. Mm-hmm. Um, there's There are all kinds of vodkas. But th- I would say like Vibrova is maybe one of the most popular. And that Jawankova. One thing that's kind of popular is they have these things when it comes to vodka and, and other spirits called Malbkas. Malbka is, uh, means like little monkey. Mm. And they're just these little flask-sized bottles that you can buy them in every little convenience store or whatever. Mm. And you go and people buy these Malbkas. And you see these, you know, little bottles all over the place. Like all over, like littering the streets? Yeah, in the park or wherever, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. And I think people go in, they buy them, they put them in their coat pocket, and they, they go about their day, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's a thing. The, the Polish cafes, companion. You know, a, yeah. Yeah. In the cafes and stuff, the you know, the, the wine here is really good. Mm. Uh, just selection. And you're here, you're in Europe, and everything's close, and... All the shops have pretty good selections. You know, even the local, like I say, like the little convenience store, they sell uh, liquor and wine. And even there, you have a decent selection of good wine. So people like to drink wine here, um, for sure. And there's there's a lot of it. The cocktail culture in that, I think, is is sort of, you know, there's an old cocktail culture from, you know, maybe pre-war. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that's, I think some people are trying to bring that back. And there are quite a few really cool cocktail bars that have a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. have all the good whiskey, you know, have all the American stuff. You know, like there are some places that, that really do it right with all the drinks and the atmosphere and stuff. You know, some really cool places you, you, you guys would totally appreciate and love. But I don't know that it's like a huge thing. Uh, you know, yeah. It's still kind of a... Not a, I would say like a niche thing, but there are some really cool bars like that. And then yeah, this homemade thing, you know. Yeah, tell us about the homemade milk spirits. Yeah, Nalevka is what it's called. Oh, Nalevka. Okay. Nalevka, and there are all different kinds. And this milk one is one that I had. I went home with a friend for Christmas, the first Christmas I was here. And the holiday meals are unrelenting. The food is just like, I've never seen so much food come out of a kitchen that was so small. I kept wondering, where is this food coming from? It just keeps coming. Mm. 
And then in between the, the, the meals, the host, this woman, she broke, broke out all these different bottles of different colored spirits. And so some are, you know, with different fruits. Some are with different uh, spices or, or, you know, whatever you can, whatever you can flavor these things with. Mm-hmm. They do. Different aromatics and the And the one stuff. that wow. I really, the one that I really liked was this milk liquor. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, the spirit vodka or i think they use like the heavy you know spiritos you know yeah the pure grain which will give you more of an extraction sure yeah and then milk vanilla wow sugar Uh and then squeeze a a lemon into it Hmm. and get the the milk to curdle i guess Hmm. okay sure acid yeah wow yep that's the uh and let it sit mm-hmm. and then uh, i don't know a couple weeks i'm not sure how long it was sort of fat washing it and then <laughs> and then pour it off yeah like strain it out through yeah strain it out or mm-hmm. like through a cheesecloth or something mm-hmm. and all of that curdled milk goes away and it comes out almost clear again wow and has a really creamy vanilla-y like kind of taste to it doesn't mm. it doesn't uh, taste like it looks you would think it was like thicker mm. man this stuff <laughs> very cool and this was you know she kept going to the dresser in the bedroom like oh hold on i've got some more <laughs> <laughs> got some more in the underwear drawer she had tons of this stuff so yeah milk punches can be i mean there it's a it's a not only is it like a you know like it blends all these flavors and uh and gives off a great texture it also preserves it like uh you can you can use that like if it doesn't get any sunlight and it's just kept at a regular temperature you could you could keep a milk punch for a couple of years wow and this wow. is like a thanksgiving holiday thing this was christmas christmas okay I cool these, i think these nalevkas is like you know they they're always around but Whenever. they definitely come out the holidays and always with cool little uh, glasses little sets of little small little cordial glasses yeah 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 i love it yeah but all kinds you know different little crystal ones and small things and and everybody has these in their house you know all the old houses they they got all this this stuff Mm. i dig this this is something we didn't get into the book either so this is something that this christmas um we'll check back in with you and we'll get some recipes yeah. together, and maybe we can make some of this stuff here and uh, and toast you. Oh. We're about out of time. Anything else anyone yeah. wants to add to this right now? It's a pleasure to, to get to share these experiences with uh, the Liquid Gold audience, and great to see you guys. Well, great to see you as always. Thank you for um, taking the time out and uh, talking to us there from Warsaw, Poland where a refugee crisis is ongoing and uh we will be checking in with you our new war correspondent here at liquid gold appreciate you matt love you (laughs) love you man it's good to hear that uh yeah like the uh on the on the other end of the horrific stuff um that we're seeing on tv that the uh the, the the response of the polish people is uh inspiring and uh it's definitely heartening yeah man they it it has been cool and you know, I got, I like to say, like, they need a win, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they've, they've needed a win, and I think it's cool to see it, you know? And I hope it, you know, 
who knows what's gonna happen but it, but it, they've taken their they've taken their turn with grace you know so it's cool that's great well we'll be checking in more as this uh, unfolds because this we we don't know where this is gonna go we don't know how big of an international crisis this will be and it's just an ongoing story so we'll be checking in with you in the weeks to come take great. care of yourself out there Thank and you. Thanks, um buddy. great to see you guys you too as always check us out on the new website liquidgold.show thanks to upright t-rex music for the tunes producer michael eads and everybody at we own this town kenneth thanks for being here yeah yeah <laughs> what a great time and for bringing our mascot chris as always my name's mike wolf your host and we will see you next time right here on liquid gold <laughs>